The Confessions of St. Augustine is one of, if not the most important works in Christian history, of a soul in search of God. St. Augustine was born in in the late 4th century in North Africa, And over his lifetime, he experienced a great deal of earthly success. In fact, he he rose to the level of the court orator for the emperor of Rome in the court of Milan. Eventually had quite a dynamic conversion, not only to the Catholic faith, but then to the monastic life. And became bishop in North Africa and Hippo. And is one of the most influential, if not the most influential, Christian theologians. St. Augustine's confessions are not just a history of his life, though. It's a, it's a, it's especially in the early chapters, we see this heart, this soul wrestling with God. He, here he is in his monastic cell looking back on his early life, especially the early chapters. And he's pointing to all of these places where he now recognizes God was tugging at his heart. But he's also recognizing that as a young man especially... He was afraid. He was afraid to cede control. He was afraid to give up what he thought would bring him greatest contentment and fulfillment. He was afraid to give up his career as an orator or to to seek freedom and peace and joy in faith outside of himself. In the faith of his mother, we know her as St. Monica. It's a beautiful reflection about how we live our life so in, in kind of in between this world of hope and fear. Not really like a fear that's like, I'm afraid I'm going to die at any moment, but just that kind of almost a numbness and a, just being a little bit afraid of the unknown and as a result being content with what we have in front of us. In the gospel today, we heard this in the third verse. When King Herod heard this, the story of the Magi, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. We see in that verse the same type of fear that defined St. Augustine's early life. We also recognize that in ourselves. We believe in God. We trust in some way in God. But all the more we are afraid at times to cede control of our life. Even when, as we see in this beautiful gospel, when these foreigners come in and point to a king, the people of Jerusalem are afraid. Herod, understandably so, but why the people? These people who are being ruled by a foreign king who has imposed a tyrannical reign on them, who has allowed them to become subject to a foreign power, they're afraid of another king. I understand Herod, he wants to keep power, but the people of Jerusalem would rather have an enemy they know than something better. And this is the internal struggle with which all of us deal at certain stages, if not throughout our entire life, of being willing to step into the hope of the unknown, of following that star, of being set In the Christian tradition, going all the way back to the earliest church, when we had these monks and nuns going way out into into the desert and living these very monastic, these very ascetical lives, this vice 
called acedia. It's a word that doesn't really translate well into English, and it also doesn't really have a very easy definition. Oftentimes, it's kind of been, it's come down to us or, you know, been distilled down to, well, just kind of a sloth or kind of a laziness with regard to spiritual things, and that's certainly true. But more so than that, it's an interior instability. It's a knowing that I probably should do that thing, but I really don't want to do that thing right now because it's going to be hard or it's not as joyful as it was so long ago. And so we start to stop or we, we cease doing those things. And all of a sudden that joy that we had, that spark that we had starts to fade. It's not just this interior instability, it's also a kind of a f- being afraid of or refusing to look toward the eternal. We're so content in this life that we don't look beyond. We don't get caught up into spiritual things. A French theologian whose name escapes me off the top of my head talks about the difference between a world, a spiritual worldview, in which we look about just passing through life. I do this thing, I take this job so I can get this promotion, so I can have this kind of respect, everything on this level. We go from A to B to C. Not much thinking about it. That's the worldview of Asidia, whereas we're called to as Christians who are made for union with God to have a life that is about passing beyond this world. Everything that we experience is a precursor of the joy that heaven has in store for us. But not only is there this kind of interior instability or this, this failure to kind of look beyond to the next world, there's always just kind of these little infidelities, right? We see the poor, we see those who are marginalized, and we know, well, I, I should do something, but that's someone else's problem. Or we recognize, I haven't really prayed every day. I'll start tomorrow. It's not a huge thing. It's not this huge crisis of faith. But it's just these little things that kind of wear out the foundation of our faith. And we stand like St. Augustine as a young man, kind of uncertain as to what the world has in in store for us. We're searching, we're seeking, but we're not finding. Because we're looking in all of the places than in the one person who will set us free. Because, brothers and sisters, as St. Paul reminds us in that beautiful second reading from his letter to the Ephesians, we are co-heirs to the Jews and Gentiles are co-heirs. God has chosen us for salvation, and not only salvation, but for greatness. And this is one of the things that Asidia does in our life. It makes me think that I am not great. You are. You have infinite value. You are made for the greatest and the most wonderful thing that has ever or will ever exist, life in Jesus Christ. And this is the star to which we all are called to follow, which has led us here today, which leads us forth. It is a person who knows you and loves you. His name is Jesus. Follow that star. If you're struggling with your prayer life, set aside 10 or 15 minutes a day. If you're not serving or tithing with your, if you're not serving the poor or tithing with your your time, talent, and treasure, figure out a way where you can sit down and say, how can I serve? Love the people in your life with infinite love. This is where we find joy and happiness. 
St. Augustine later in his confessions talks about, Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. This God who was born in Bethlehem is still with us. He is alive and he desires us. And to be in relationship with him is to step into both the newness and eternity of God. We're nothing No fear, no earthly challenge or struggle can weigh us down or keep us enslaved. The Magi had that faith and courage. Remember, back in those days, there weren't airplanes or even motor engines. For them to have come from the east, they had to set aside a lot of time and a lot of money to search for something about which they didn't know. Well, brothers and sisters, you and I know the Lord. He is calling us, and he is desiring to set us free. Be not afraid of not only the small acts of fidelity, but also of doing the grand things, of living a life with ultimate meaning and purpose and conviction around the person of Jesus Christ and faith in his church of radically giving of yourself, of sacrificially giving of what you have to those who have not. The Magi, these men, these foreigners from the East, show us what freedom looks like when we find Jesus. And we have found him, but have we brought our gifts and are we willing to part with them? Archbishop Fulton Sheen talks about two types of confessions. There are two types of confessions in the world. There's, he, he, he talked about the French philosophers who were kind of nihilists, right? There's these confessions where they take glory in themselves, in my life, in my accomplishments, and the acts that I have done. And then there's the confession of St. Augustine, which is a confession of the glory of God, of a life that is seeking all over the place, but when it finds Jesus, finds its direction, and gives everything to him. Everything. And in so doing, is set free. St. Augustine was afraid that if he gave his life to Christ, his oratory, his rhetorician skills, would go to naught, wouldn't be used. Nearly 1,700 years later, we're still reading his writings and stories. Not because of his greatness, but because of the greatness of God, who Augustine was willing to follow. O beauty ever ancient, ever new, so too our lives can echo not only in this lifetime, but through eternity when we follow that star that is Christ Jesus. All of us, bringing our unique gifts, maybe not of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but of our time, our talent, our treasure, our very selves, our experience, our baggage, our sins, bringing them to Jesus and departing like the Magi by a different way, a better way, a path of freedom, joy, and peace.